Hey, this is John from the Human Advancement Podcast, powered by Ruthless Performance. I'm back with Kyle Fisher. We're back at it, going. We're going to go through um, some some audience Q and A that we had. If anyone actually has any any questions that they'd like me or Kyle or or anyone in in our future installments of the Q and A series, if anyone has any questions for that, you could just uh, shoot us an email at ruthlessperformance.com/contact, or you could also uh, just reach out to me directly via email at info at ruthlessperformance.com or john at ruthlessperformance.com to get to me directly. Um, so we've been on with Kyle in the past. I, I don't want to go through Kyle's whole um, whole background here because we'd be, we'd be going for a while, but I know um, Kyle's had some good audio, good content with us before. And he even, Kyle had even done his own nose to uh, nose to tail podcast episode on, on the podcast. And that I thought that was absolutely awesome. Um, so, so do you want to just give the, the brief overview of kind of where you're at and what you're doing these days? Sure. So I'm, uh, I'm in South Florida, mainly South Miami. Um, got a long commute. I'm coming from Broward. So uh, about an hour commute, I'm driving down to uh, a pretty cool location. It's, it's a nice, nice hub where uh, people are really enjoying the personal training scene, which is kind of why I'm driving down there. And there's a lot of uh, just a big hub of where people want to, you know, improve themselves from an athletic standpoint or just um, aesthetics, uh, which is why it's worth that drive. Um, but I'm in a, a gym called Complex, which is uh, Complex Health and Wellness, where we do physical therapy, personal training, human performance. We also do uh, what's getting really big now in the recovery scene. Um, so we have three different sectors to the business. Um, I'm the director of rehab there at the moment. One physical therapist uh, was a part of my small team. And then we have about four or five other personal trainers in human performance. Uh, we primarily specialize in athlete development with high school athletes. It's a big part of our population. Then we trickle into pro athletes as well. And then um, also work with just local athletes trying to get better um, and improve their body and health. So it's been really cool. It's a, a very integrated place where, you know, someone can come in to get rehab and we can push them all the way to athletic performance, all kind of in an all encompassing business, which I think has been really nice um, to just work within professional um, other professionals and kind of have that cohesive piece um, to really improve somebody's overall health and wellness. And um, I don't know, sometimes it almost feels like, this is kind of funky, but like last night, one of my last, my last clients came in with a sinus infection and, um, you know, they gave him medicine and he's still all gunked up. And the cool part is they lay him on the table and flush that whole thing for him. So sometimes it almost feels like we're, you know, doing general medicine or like a holistic approach to just improving people and giving them access to some tools and knowledge that they may not have elsewhere. Um, and I'm always looking to find different avenues to just help people in general, you know, so we spent an hour session he came to me with low back pain but at the moment he's got sinus infection so might as well help him with that too so i love that freedom and autonomy that um you can get sometimes in this profession where you can kind of express your knowledge and really just really help people so that's where we're at yeah i'm i'm happily on on basically just the athlete development side of things i don't see the healthcare side of things too much and you know, I, I was actually just talking with my wife about this yesterday, where unfortunately, one of the realities of when you start going too far down the healthcare rabbit hole is the, the people are in these situations that they're in because of 
it's not just one thing that got them there when when you're talking about like disease essentially it's 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 a sequence of events just compounded by years and years and years so it's nice being on the athletic side of things and just kind of seeing people that are interested in in progressing themselves and kind of pushing themselves forward. Sure. I mean, on the athlete side of things, I mean, when you are talking about healthcare, essentially what you're talking about is, you know, ACL tears or just some kind of, some kind of crazy sports injuries, as opposed to, you know, just congestive heart failure or things like that, that have just taken years and years to, to develop over time. Um, so uh, we do have, we basically have three questions today to go over and to get into. And I mean, we could give these as much time as we want to, or as little as we want to, and kind of move forward but so just to let the audience in on, on a secret here me and kyle we had recorded probably like a, a two or three hour podcast um <laughs> a, a few months ago at this point and unfortunately somehow somehow I, I in trying to edit it and cut it down i actually corrupted the whole file and it, it took my computer with it it actually totaled my computer so so now, fortunately, I'm on a new computer, so I, this one has a little bit more storage, and uh, I'm not going to try to make I'm not going to make the same mistakes this time. So hopefully, we'll be able to capture all this audio. But one of the things that we covered in there is actually involved in one of the questions that I wanted to go into right off the bat, and that's the um, red light therapy as a, as a recovery modality. Essentially, that's the question is just to kind of expand on that, and and that's a personal question for me more than anything. I mean, like I, I've said to you, I, I totally understand and and have really come around to the power of early morning sun exposure. And that's something I would have totally thought was just some hippy dippy nonsense. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, 16 hours later, it puts me out like a light. It tell what it's doing to my, the cortisol. I mean, the, the whole thing with early morning sun exposure is, is remarkable. And, you know, one of the things with getting sun exposure early in the morning is you are getting with the sunrise and with the sunset, essentially how we're getting that light is through that red light wave. So it makes sense that there'd be some evolutionary basis for why red light could potentially be therapeutic. But could you expand on on um, on your experiences with red light? I mean, even even that whole monologue that you did on it on our, our last um, lost podcast was, was fantastic. Yeah, I guess. So simply, I go back to um, the ease of use and just how much background it has from a science perspective. Um, and again, like it's taught in, it's taught in general education. I think it, it's, you know, it's presented as photobiomodulation. So essentially, you know, you absorbing the light and then things had happened metabolically in the human body. Um, but it was originally studied for um, hair loss, which is why you've seen probably many times on, whether it's QVC or whatever it is, you'll see like a cap with some red light um, within it. The challenge with it now is, is of course, you know, companies that are selling on Amazon got a hold of it. And it is important that it's regulated. The frequency is regulated in the company that you're getting it from. Um, as in anything else, quality over quantity here is the most important. So ensuring that, you know, the, the quality of the light that you're getting is registered and is qualified through the FDA um, is the most important because now so many people reach out to me, you know, which red light do I get? And they send me five Amazon links. And most of the time they're coming from China, which it is what it is, right? But a lot of United States made uh, red lights are now here. There's a lot of companies that are making them that are um, 
registered and are very qualified from the frequency and they're certified in that frequency. So that's the most important part. I think if anybody's using red light to ensure that you're spending a good amount of money on them, because you'll, you'll find that you can get one on Amazon for 38 bucks or you can spend $200 on the same light. And there's a reason there's a difference there. So um, I think that's, that's number one. Number two, I think, you know, you can utilize this modality for pretty much anything um, across the human body because it's absorbing light. The difference from sunlight versus red light is the concentration. Uh, so it's really funneling that direct light to a specific area. So it's treatment specific. It's not necessarily whole body metabolic, which it can be if you have a big enough one. Most people have a smaller one. Like my biggest one is probably nine to 10 inches long and about six inches wide. So it's more of like a rectangle. And then I also have one that's smaller that treats smaller areas. Um, but simply before I go off too much on a tangent, simply the body is absorbing the frequency of light. It's very concentrated to a specific area. It absorbs about up to four inches um, and dose frequency matters. So how long you hold it matters. Um, there is protocols for it. Most of the protocols are about 20 minutes. So you're going to put it on a localized area for about 20 minutes, do it about two times a day. Another really important part with it is fueling. So I would not do it when you're fasting. I would not do it when you're on an empty stomach. I would not use it when you are um, post training or any kind of any kind of high metabolic event, unless you're fueling previous to uh, the red light therapy. It is a very strong modality and it does improve um, metabolic pathways. So if you're not fueling properly, it will just drop, it'll tank your blood sugar and you will not get very much benefit from it. And quite honestly, you can not necessarily harm yourself, but you're not going to, you're not going to benefit from it because it's going to upregulate your metabolism. And then your metabolism is going to be looking for, for fuel to fuel that flame. And there's going to be nothing there. So there is many pieces to it. I don't want to overcomplicate it and scare people away from it. Cause in reality, you're just turning on a light and sitting there. Um, and I have some really cool, I just had a really cool testimony with one of my clients um, maybe two weeks ago. He's been dealing with prostate issues. He's in his mid-60s, um, frequently urinates about like three to five times during the evening and has not slept a night in about 10 years. He used his red light for three evenings and is now only going one time versus five times. And it's like completely changed his life. He calls me every week and is like, man, I can't believe this is that simple. I can't believe nobody's told me about this. Um, so there's a lot of like little simple things that you can do. I mean, is it placebo? I don't know. Did you get a huge benefit from it? Potentially. But I mean, you're talking about somebody waking up five times during the evening versus one that can really alter your healing capacity, how you feel. Um, and from many different perspectives, just from putting a light on your stomach, you know, you literally just put it over where his prostate would be and let it there for 20 minutes, two times daily. And it has drastically changed his life. Um, most of the research that has been done on early on was for, like I said, hair loss and, um, and wound healing, which is still, I think John, like you had talked about, they use in the hospital, your wife uses red light potentially for wound healing as well as a hyperbaric chamber. Um, the downfall of it is, is, you know, it's one of those things where like, um, you know, you're using a prescription off label, and that's where I feel like a lot of people in traditional medicine are like, oh my God, what do you mean you're using that for, you know, soft tissue healing? We only use that for wound healing. But if you think about conceptually how it really works in the human body, which is increasing collagen production, improving metabolic pathways, which is improving blood flow to the area, pretty much anywhere you put that, I mean, 
that's what we are. We're, we're bundles of blood flow and oxygen. So if we can get blood flow and oxygen to an area, more than likely it's going to help it heal in theory. So that's really what's going on there. Um, again, the nutrition part's key with it. The frequency and dose is key. So how far away you hold it from the body. Um, and then the light that you get is, is really key. It's no different than, you know, you buying cheap metal equipment versus you buying rogue equipment. There's a drastic difference and you're going to feel the difference and you're going to get longevity out of the light. You're going to get improved um, healing from it. And now, you know, as with anything, when something really hits the market and explodes, people are going to make knockoffs of it. I haven't tried any of them. I just don't trust them um, mainly because, you know, I'm, I want to use something to help me heal and I want it to be of high quality because I'm talking about my health. So that, and I'm using it on people and people are trusting me with it. So I've been in many settings where people freak out that I'm using it because they don't really understand it. Although they've been taught it from, you know, a different perspective. Um, it's still newer, but down here, I think just about every private clinic has one now it's become super, super popular. Um, also in skin health is kind of like the, the anti-aging area. It's really exploded. Um, but I mean, I lost a client because of it, to be honest with you. I had, I had a client for, it was my client for like three, four months and I lost him for a good reason. He got better. And, um, I simply told him like, look, you can buy one of these for what it costs for two sessions with me. You can buy one of these and go treat yourself. And I mean, he, he treated himself and that was over. So I, I lost a client out of, it. I got a good friend out of it, but, um, all in all, that's the goal, right? Is to get them out of our hands and teach them how to treat themselves. Uh, for me anyway, I think that's one of my most important goals. It's like, you know, I would love to have you as a client for life, but I'd rather be consulting you on your journey rather than needing you to see me 24 seven, you know, just to expand that impact um, that we're having and educating people and making sure that they're leaving, having that understanding and lens to evaluate their own health. So, so if I was to get one, what, um, what would you recommend? I mean, even I would probably, there's a few family members I would try it on as well as probably with myself first, but I mean, if I was to get a good one right off the bat, what would you suggest? So, uh, Hooga is a really good one. H O O G A. That's the one that I use primarily. Um, they've come out with a lot of mats now that are really cool. Um, they're more of like a, it's more of like a wrap. Um, I'm trying to think of the brand that he just purchased that my client was using. I don't have one of those yet. I'm looking at getting one. Um, but Fuga is the main one that I use. There's been a bunch of brands that have come out that have kind of like cut that price quite a bit. But the biggest thing is looking at those frequencies have been verified and studied in the, the product. That's the biggest thing. I'm sure there is, well, I'm not sure, but maybe there is some on Amazon. Um, that are available. It's just, if it's 38 bucks, there's no way, <laughs> you know, they're usually like, you know, a hundred for a smaller one. Um, then they range from like two to a thousand if you want a whole, a whole body one. Um, but I actually just bought my wife a, um, one for her book. So it's like a book lamp that kind of like sticks out like an arm that she can read with. So you're absorbing some of that light into your eyes also, which can be really helpful. Um, so there's so many products out with them now, but I even use them, you know, I use them for sinus infections. Um, if I feel like I have a cold coming on, my joints are stiff, um, really anything. I mean, you can use it anywhere in the body. 
um, for really anything because we're talking about the cell. You know, we're approaching the human body from a cellular perspective. Um, so if you take, you know, a muscle cell versus a bone cell, it's all absorbing uh, that light. So if you think about it from that perspective, you can pretty much put it anywhere on the body. It can affect hormone production, but primarily collagen production, upregulating metabolism. Um, but the collagen thing, I'm sure we could go talk about for hours too. I think that's just another important part from the nose to tail. Nobody's really eating collagen anymore. Um, you know, breaking down those chicken bones. Um, so that's another piece that, you know, if you're not also consuming collagen, if you're improving collagen production, those two things may be really important to coincide. Like if you're going to use the red light for arthritis, uh, osteoarthritis or anything like that post-operative, it's really important to drive um, whole food collagen to the body. Yeah, we actually have, a, we have some turkey bone broth um, in, in the crock pot right now. It's probably been going for about 72 hours. So, nice. so we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I know um, one of the one of the companies that we have a wholesaler with is Primal Kitchen, and they have a collagen peptide. They actually have it as a, as a single serving pack, and I'll take that, and my wife takes that. And uh, some of the people that I'll recommend that to right off the bat are usually the outwards things that you can tell right away, like when people have um, thin hair, not like not like balding, but just like hair that's thin. Um, that tends to be something that is like very noticeable right away. And those are some of the people that will, will try to get on that, but I'll actually, I'll add it in with, um, my protein shake now. I mean, it, the collagen, it's, it's amazingly tasteless. I mean, you could add it to anything. Yeah. One, one of, one of the things I do want to get into is, um, electrolyte supplementation, but that's something I'll actually do too, is I'll combine element, um, electrolytes with, um, the primal kitchen, um, collagen peptides. And I mean, that's, that's been, I mean, it's super tasteless to add in the uh, collagen peptides, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on, on the collagen as well. I, I, the more I take it, the more I notice a difference. I even had, um, I don't know what I did the other day, but for some reason, my ankle was a little bit wonky. So I, I really upped with, upped it with the uh, collagen and it, that always seems to help no matter what. Nice. Have you noticed your nails? Like my nails grow. I, I haven't cut my nails almost twice a week when I'm taking heavy doses of collagen, it's like my nails, like they just shoot right out of it. <laughs> it's crazy. Constantly have to maintain them. And same with my hair. Like I really notice skin, skin gets really soft. Um, it's, it's one of those supplements that I feel like you can very outwardly see pretty quickly. Once you start driving some of that collagen into your system, you start to notice, Oh, wow, I was pretty depleted because things change really rapidly. You know, and then once you kind of stabilize it, you don't get those rapid changes, but you'll know pretty quickly if you're deficient in them because you'll start seeing those improvements pretty quick. I, I could tell one of the ways I could tell right away with my uh, with, with any kind of improvements to my health is if I take something before bed, what it does to my sleep quality. And mm. I noticed even with the with the collagen supplementation before bed, I mean, it, it, it knocks me out. I haven't noticed the nails so much. My nails have always been been pretty um my nails have always grown pretty fast. Uh, same yeah. with my hair, hair for that matter. But yeah, on, on to uh, onto the uh, the idea of the electrolyte supplements. Do you supplement with any uh, any type of electrolytes? And I mean, and you're in Florida too, so I mean, if there's anyone that should be, <laughs> um, you know, just just from that being outside down there, um, are you on uh, any kind of electrolyte supplementation? I like Element. Um, the watermelon flavor is crazy. That's I can drink that all day long. That's one of my favorites. 
Um, like right now, I just, I take like maybe a quarter teaspoon of salt every morning and I put that in my water and then I'll drink that first thing in the morning. Um, but I do my primary, my primary, uh, cocktail is called an adrenal cocktail. Um, formerly made famous by a guy named black, uh, Matt Blackburn, Ray Pete, um, a couple guys that are down the nuanced strain of nutrition. Uh, so it's essentially a pinch of salt. I want to say maybe half a cup of fresh squeezed orange juice, and then just fill the rest of the cup up with coconut water, uh, which is obviously readily accessible down here at all times. Um, so that's usually what I'll be drinking, if not just coconut water, but I try to put coconut water in just about everything. Um, it's one of my favorite drinks. And especially if it's not from like a, I didn't have coconut water, not in one of those box containers for the first time when I moved down here and just drained a couple coconuts and could not believe the difference of the taste. Um, so now that I'm drinking that, it's so hard to go back to it, but I did find one box coconut water that's, that seems to be pretty good. Um, but I think the biggest mistake that I see athletes make with that is just drinking water. I mean, the, the argument is always, you know, if you go into the hospital, you get an IV, they're not putting water into you. They're putting saline solution, you know, and I think sipping water can be okay, but I think, you know, the whole drinking a gallon of straight water, I think you'll find you'll just urinate all day long and get rid of all your B vitamins and then essentially deplete yourself. So I think there's a balance to it. Um, and Gatorade has very little, if any, electrolytes in it as well as most of the drinks that are like that. So you're, you're pretty much better off just putting a pinch of salt into water and um, dissolving that or getting, you know, like the liquid IV element or products like that, that'll really, you know, a lot of times it's a taste thing. That's what we were always told, you know, when I was learning about this stuff in school, it's like, well, the biggest thing is just to get the athletes to drink, right? Most athletes don't want to drink water. They want to drink something that tastes good. So Gatorade gets them to drink, but in reality, you're not doing very much, you know, electrolyte repletion from that standpoint so the easiest thing and the cheapest thing to do is to to take a pinch and just throw it in, in water but i do make my own well i shouldn't say i do my wife does she makes our own electrolyte solution which is um potassium magnesium and then um sodium sometimes i'll put baking soda in it uh, i actually have a huge tub a massive tub of food grade baking soda that i use quite a bit um, and we'll mix that together. So I have like a, I think it's like a quarter teaspoon I'll put in my whole half gallon jug and then I'll drink that throughout the day. But you know, that salty, that salty taste is something to get used to for sure. Um, and I drink a lot of milk. Milk's a great hydrator. So I drink quite a, quite a bit of milk. I have good access to milk here, good quality milk. I think that's important. Um, but not everybody likes that either. So I think it's just finding what you're going to drink, you know, and be consistent with, um, but I know that by the end of the day, if I'm not consistently drinking, it's crazy. My whole neck locks up, I get headaches. You know, it's, I feel like a lot of the symptoms that people deal with, um, just in their daily life is from just chronic dehydration. And it's something I think really, once you get figured out and you start feeling what actual hydration feels like, it's, you'll realize how many of your potential issues are coming from that. Um, so this could be something that could really change your life if you figure out how to, you know, navigate that with salt, potassium, um, and those kinds of things. So yeah, I could, 
I can drink a whole bottle of salt water, no problem. And not think twice about it. My wife's definitely not the same though. And I know a lot of athletes will taste it and be like, you know, not like it. So I think Element's doing a good job with the flavoring and like at least adding a little something to it that will allow people to consume it, you know, but Element is definitely salty. Are you, are you at all concerned with um, the stevia that's in Element? That's a good question. I've gone back and forth on stevia many times. Um, it doesn't bother me from what I understand. Um, I haven't seen any downside for me, but I know people can and do have potential reactions to it or don't respond too well to it. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, if it's your primary use, which for me, it's not, I'll just like, if I'm going to go train later in the day or something, and I want to have that, I'll take it with me. I primarily use my own just salt, potassium, magnesium. I buy it in bulk and make my own mixture. Um, so I'm not consuming it that often, but I think if you're going to consume it daily or even twice daily, you'll, you'll probably know if it's bothering you, but I like xylitol better. Um, mainly because it has a lot of health, uh, health benefits from the, the teeth and gums as well. Um, but for whatever reason, people aren't using that as much. Um, they're more sticking to the stevia. I don't, does liquid IV have that too? I think liquid IV has stevia in it. Liquid IV, uh, for the most part. So that's another one. We actually, we have a wholesale contract with them, but we rarely sell it. Um, that was the first, um, electrolyte supplement with, that we carried, but, um, most of it actually, most of the liquid IVs, unless they've added something recently, the liquid IV actually has cane sugar in it. So that's one of the, oh, really? yeah, that's one of the reasons we kind of got away from that one. Got um, it. Okay. Another one that I actually like, and I'll, I'll alternate between the two for the most part, between Element and Ultima. Ultima is, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, Ultima Replenisher. Uh, similar, it has a few more, it has a few additional things in it. So it's a little bit more almost like a multivitamin because it has some vitamin C in it, but the, okay. the sodium content is low. So if I'm training harder, I'll, do, I'll use the Element, but if I'm not training as much, I'll use the Ultima. Um, one of the interesting things about almost all um, electrolyte supplements that I've tried. Um, not, I mean, it's never happened to me with, um, coconut water. Um, just as a digression, one of the things that I've seen with the coconut water, one of the problems with that, especially the boxed ones is a lot of those are loaded with sugar with it, with yes. sugar. So yeah, I'd say for people out there that are looking at coconut water, I, that's something I would just be careful with. And I don't even think the sugary ones taste good. I, I, I think, I think that's, I don't, I don't even think they're good. But one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that I've noticed, and mechanistically, I'm still trying to mull it over and formulate why I think it's happening and and how to minimize it. But I will actually get very bad Raynaud's symptoms from electrolyte uh, supplements like Element and Ultima. I mean, in the summer it's not bad, but I mean in the winter, especially especially when I'm colder, I will like I after, I mean, maybe five, 10 minutes after I have Ultima or Element, both of them. So it's not necessarily the sodium, both of them will actually, I, I could see the, um, like the discoloration start working its way down my fingers. I don't think I ever told you this, but that's why I moved. That's why I moved down here. I um, have Raynaud's so bad. <laughs> so the, to the point to where I could not even, I mean, Pennsylvania winners, it made my life miserable. When I lived in Maine, I got frostbite just from like, just from being outside working with teams. 
I got frostbite in one of my fingers, completely lost. It, it actually, the tip of my finger fell off. It turned black and fell off. I had no idea. My hands were numb for hours. That's interesting. Yeah, th this is, it's all, it's something I've been working my way through, um, trying to like figure out mechanistically what's going on. It definitely has something to do with um, like the the cellular exchange of like the, the calcium, potassium, sodium, uh, just something in there. It, it's something, yes. I don't know what it is. Um, but I know it's, um, exacerbated in me by, um, uh, carbohydrate intake and, um, when I'm having more of a, a stronger sympathetic response. So it's, it's like, it's more likely to happen to me in the morning than it is at night. And it's, yes. it, it, it and, but, and, and I get it really bad when I, it's, and it's gotten worse over time actually. But when I was younger and we would go hunting or whatever, I would just think I was being a bitch because of how, how I was responding to the cold, but it, it wasn't, it was, it was actually, it's just a, it's a physical response. It, and I, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what to make of it. At this point, I have some pretty good um, contingent. I have some pretty good plans in place to kind of minimize how much it impacts my, my day to day. But yeah, I, I, I have brain odds pretty, and it's definitely exacerbated by, um, electrolyte supplementation yeah so how um i actually got it when i was down here when i went to graduate school down here so i only i got it when i was 24 and same thing it started with my index finger and then it went to my middle finger and then it went to my third one and then it went to my and then it, now it's my whole hand and then it went to my left one so it only started on one hand and then it went to my opposite hand but what i was doing it's, I think you're directly on the right path. I've tried to go down the rabbit hole with this to figure this out for years now. Um, it is for sure that and how it mine started when I was doing, I was doing intermittent fasting for about two years. Um, actually put myself into hypothyroidism, got a goiter on my thyroid um, and basically made myself sick from intermittent fasting for so long under just basically highly stressed conditions. I was in graduate school, pretty much working a full-time job with clinicals and being very challenged from a classroom perspective and just running myself in. And the easiest thing to do was intermittent fast and have time to eat, you know? So it was like, okay, I'll just eat a tablespoon of coconut oil and call it a day. And I was doing, you know, the bulletproof coffee. Um, the crazy thing is, is my cognition was just, so clear and I felt very very good and I got used to almost like that emptiness feeling in my stomach to where I could get so much mental clarity out of it but then obviously it took a toll on my my metabolic health and my thyroid and hormone health um and it's I've been trying to recover myself after doing that so I get questions about intermittent fasting all the time still you know and unfortunately I took something that can be really useful and harmed myself with it um, just from overusing a modality, you know, from just, and I was training too at the time. It was just a lot. It was very, very high stress um, and was not fueling properly. And I'm still reaping the downfall of that, which is unfortunate. I, I was trying to really help myself, you know. I, I noticed with, uh, so I, I still do the intermittent fasting and, and I'll, I'll actually test my blood sugar on it. Um so I know I'm not in ketosis at all. I'll maybe go up to like 0.2 or 0.3 millimolars uh, tops. But then on the blood sugar side of things, even in the morning when I'm actually 
doing pretty well cognitively, my blood sugar will be less than 80. So I don't even know what the hell is fueling me. But yeah, I, I cognitively, I do pretty well in the mornings. Um, and I feel the same. Um, I want, I enjoy the intermittent fasting. I think it's great. I think um, females might be a little bit more, um, it might be a little bit more of a problem for females. But one of the things that that I have picked up on and one of the things that I, I think is a great time for for um females to utilize that modality is during menstruation it seems mm-hmm. like it actually uh helps minimize um like pms symptoms things like that so i i think it's it is good and like you said it's just a matter of applying it at the right times but <laughs> i think what's it i i think what what's even a bigger problem than intermittent fasting is um when people don't even have the ability to fast like if someone can't go 10 12 16 hours without eating like without like uh the hangry symptoms when that's part of your physiology i think i think that's a very bad sign of 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 under of some kind of underlying problem where you can't even access and utilize fat um i i do think that's a problem absolutely one of the things i will just going back to this Raynaud's thing that I didn't even think we'd be talking about, but um, on, on that line of thinking, something else that I've been thinking about with that and, and your story kind of aligns with my thoughts on it is that um, I think it might also have something to do with having in your younger years, having built up a very robust um, capillary network in like in the phalanges and the fingers and everything. And then as the years go by, essentially not utilizing that capillary network to the extent that you have in the past. So I think for me, and I, I think some of the, some of the, I mean, I have some autoimmune um, things, but I mean, I genuinely think most people do, but I think some of the things that have kind of put me there were essentially the same thing where I was working my ass off as a swimmer, basically up until, like 18 19 and then i transitioned in powerlifting i trained pretty hard in powerlifting for like an additional two years for doing two a days things like that um and then i think as i began to back off and uh, not on purpose but just you know life kind of gets away from you i'm still training but i'm also training more in the style that i like now and my the style of training that i like doesn't have two hours of cardio in it a day so I imagine <laughs> yeah. if, if I were to, um, I, something I would like to test is if I were to begin building out a robust uh, cardio respiratory um, program, I think that might, that might do away with some of the Raynaud symptoms. I, I, I think, I, I essentially think it's more a, a denser capillary network than is actually being utilized so I, I just, I, I think that that's somehow worked in there. I don't know, but I don't even know what my theory is. I, I just think that some, somehow that has something to do with it, where there's this capillary density that's not being utilized to its fullest capacity. And then the central nervous system just doesn't know what to do with it and just shuts it off under a little bit of um, sympathetic stimulation. I like that theory. I'm going to test that myself. I've been trying to get back into, my goal has been to, to start sprinting again. So I would love to test that. It's just so crazy to think about. Like, I remember playing a playoff game in Mercyhurst, and it was negative 15. They had to sh- they had to stop the game to let it warm up a little bit, and my hands were fine. You know, like at that point, 
I was so resilient to cold. I used to do polar plunges as a kid. I'd go jump in a frozen lake. I have no problem at all. You know, like, it's not like I didn't have cold exposure. Like I, I had extreme cold exposure all the time. I'd snowboard in shorts without a shirt. Like, you know, I would do things that would never, cold never phased me my whole life. I mean, you know, we grew up and it was, had cold exposure from every aspect you can imagine. I moved to Florida and then I get rain all <laughs> something doesn't make any sense there. Um, cause any, any, you know, traditional physician I went to, I worked with a lot of physicians that have, you know, I talked to them and they're like, Oh yeah, we'll just move to a place that's warm. It's like, yeah, but I've lived my whole life. Yeah. Going to extreme cold exposure. That's that, you know, I can't cop out of this, you know, I'm interested in trying to figure this out. And I think to boost your theory also, when this happened, my I was at my lowest level of uh, physical health uh, from a training perspective. I was the most detached from a training perspective at this time. Uh, my stress was at its highest. Um, so, you know, there was many, I lost probably 20, 30 pounds at that point from fasting so much and working so much. Um, my muscle density is probably cut by 20, 30, if not more. Um, so when you look at it from that perspective, it makes total sense. Zero car cardiorespiratory fitness. Um, I was strength training some, um, and still like trying to maintain something, but not anywhere remotely close to where I was obviously in college, but that was right after college, you know, we're talking two years right after college. So when I was training to go into the NFL, so you're talking like I was at my peak peak of peak and I had no issues, you know? So I'd be interesting to test that. It'll, it'll be we'll have to do like a a one year follow up here <laughs> and see I, see where we're at. Yeah, I, I I would be interested. I mean, that's that's just kind of what I've come to, and and I I agree completely with you know, Unfortunately, like the the normal perspective from a general healthcare practitioner is yeah, just um symptom management, just avoid triggers. But like, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it, essentially the entirety of my life is built around it. And one of the things I could tell you when I'm hunting, one of the things, if I could sit in a tree stand, but one of the things that will screw me over and I'll do it anyway, is when I break out the coffee thermos, it's that sympathetic response. Yeah, I mean, that's yes. all, that's all that it oh, is. If it's cold and I'm drinking coffee and my hands hit the air, it's over. They're frozen. I mean, it's like instantaneous. It is crazy. It's so true. That's why I'm I'm only gonna hunt archery this year. I I don't know. I just and now you know I'm I'm coddled in 80, 90 degree weather year round. So my resiliency to cold is like non-existent. Um, so I think I'm just gonna hunt early archery this year because for me to go up there, I mean, even my body hits that air and it's like it's crazy. But caffeine is definitely my number one trigger. You're absolutely right. A few, I have a few follow-up questions so far, and then we'll probably wrap this up because I mean we're already we're probably already at that 30, 40 minute mark. But I know you say you you, you supplement with uh, with salt. Do you ever use the Celtic sea salt? Yes, or um, Redmond's. I got a bunch of different <laughs> salt. I forget which ones in the mixture that I made. Um, one of my my godparents is um, he does all the the feed for cattle in Pennsylvania. He's a, like a cattle nutritionist. Um, and he sells the Redmond sea salt. So he's like super educated on that. So I usually use the Redmond's products um, because of that. I actually have a little 
don't know if I have it here. I have like a little a little salt shaker that's like this big that I take with me everywhere. It's like a real size salt shaker, but it's a miniature one. It's great. You can take that pretty much like you know anywhere. The salt in the bag is not ideal, you know. So um, I usually use red, but I have used the the Celtic sea salt. I like that one as well. So yeah, worry about sticks and all that kind of stuff too. Because and the Himalayan sea salt. I went back and forth on that many times. I think it has, you know, all the minerals, but I think it's highly contaminated as well, from what I understand, um, just because of the, it's not pure, it's not pure sea salt. It's got a, the, the orangeness, the pinkness all comes from um, impurities in the salt. So that's a whole nother rabbit hole that you don't have to go down. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is just get some salt in you. It's not going to cause high blood pressure. Yeah, I, I think it could, but I think, I think it could in people that are inactive. And I think the problem isn't necessarily that they need to get rid of salt. I just think they need to start being more physically active because yeah, I'll even, I will get, I'll get swelling if I have, if I have too much sodium. Um, but if I just start, if I walk a mile, I mean, the swelling's gone. I, I think, I think just because there's too much built up pressure, I, I think it's crazy to blame it on the salt. It's just, it's a lack of movement. That's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, and, and this is, um, well, we could try to wrap up with this one, but I don't know what your perspective is on this, or if you've heard anything about this, but, um, anything that, um, alters water pH, are you at all concerned with water pH? I've been looking at this machine six grand and I want to get it so bad, <laughs> but I'm probably not going to, um, I am, I think that the, I'm more worried about water quality than I am the pH of it. Obviously that's a part of it. Um, and it's simply put, like, like I was telling you the garden that I have out back, the, one of the primary issues with plants absorbing water is the pH of the water that you're drinking. And I think the same goes for us, but I think it's super counterintuitive to put a pH, uh, you know, a preserved high quality water into a plastic water bottle. Um, so I think it's like super counterintuitive of that concept, but I also think that, you know, obviously in different places of the body, I've heard this argument so many times that there's the pH is different as you tap into different areas of the body. I think water quality matters. I think, um, you know, finding your way to high quality water is really important. The beautiful part about Pennsylvania is there are springs everywhere. Um, supposedly that's one of the big ordeals with Italian food as well. I've heard this like all over the place now um, because Italy is still one of the few places in the world that uses aqueducts um, and water that becomes structured from rolling over stones is probably the best. Um, another high quality source of water is melted snow because the water is structured. So if you took that, that water droplet from snow and put it underneath um, microscope, you would see that it actually has ionic structure to it, uh, which is what a snowflake is. It's the water becomes a structured formation, and that is what humans absorb the best. If you're drinking water from a city, I think the best way to do it is reverse osmosis or um, distilled water. You're just going to have to add minerals back into it. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with just holistically as human beings is finding high quality sources of water because there really isn't many um, and you're not going to get it from a plastic water bottle on a shelf 
Uh, I wish it was that easy, but I don't think it is. Um, and that's why I essentially drink reverse osmosis filtered water. It's dead water. It has zero TDS, so it has no total dissolved solids in it. So that's why I add some minerals back into it. Um, I do it for my dog too, the same thing. So you're essentially drinking dead water, you know, and most of our water is poisoned with many, many things to clean it. And that's for right reason to give us access to water. I just don't think it's appropriate to drink, uh, which is why I typically stick to um, fruit juices, wa uh, coconut water, or different things. I don't drink that much regular water solely because water that's coming from fruits and vegetables is structured because it's already in the plant and the plant structures it. Um, but like glacial runoff um, and springs is really your best bet because the water is structured from rolling over the stones. And then that's what also gives you the minerals. So I know that seems like really, really excessive to try to access things like that. But I mean, we are water pretty much. So if you're consuming water, that's not high quality, you're probably going to suffer in one way or the other. Um, but how much it affects you, I think is optimum to you. And I think that's where eating whole fruits, you know, you're getting mass amounts of water from that. You don't really think about it, but that can be very hydrating. Um, and the fibro kind of regulates some of that blood sugar effect if you're eating whole fruit. But, you know, that was one of the challenges I had in Pennsylvania is getting fruit year round, you know, whereas here, like I got access to grapefruit all the time. Um, and that really made a difference, I think, for my health as well. Uh, but not everybody has those options to move to places that, that can pull that off. So that's where I think coconut water, just if you can get coconuts, at least do that, like one coconut a day and drink one of those, or at least eat some quality fruit that has um, high water content and get some of your hydration from there. I think it'll make a huge difference. But like if I don't have some of my plants, if I don't have the correct pH of the water, the plants will not absorb the water. Um, that was something that was really interesting that I learned when growing food. And it's like, wow, this probably pertains, you know, this makes sense now from a human perspective. If you're drinking water, you're not going to absorb. That's why you get all that water in your stomach and then you go for a run or go to do something that's like sloshing around in your stomach because the pH and the mineral balance is off and it's not absorbing into your, your stomach. So it's just kind of sitting there. Um, so I think, yeah, all those things are, are really, really important. And, you know, finding ways that work best for you not creating stress anxiety around the situation is always key. I've been through that so many times around this stuff where you start to learn a lot of things and then you're like looking around like, how am I even going to survive? <laughs> but in reality, it's just making things the best quality for what you have access to, but being aware that, you know, that could be a piece to your health that may help you. Um, if you're looking for answers in certain places, start with water. I think that's one of the best places you can start getting a high quality source of water and making sure your electrolytes are, are balanced. Um, and another thing just to tie this all in, I think is getting your blood checked. I think that's something that I've recently integrated and, you know, most places, if you can find a private clinic, we'll do it for free. If you have health insurance, I just got a nine page um, blood work panel for free, pretty much. Um, they had health insurance and they did it for free and you can learn so much about your body um, through your blood work and doing that sometimes and just not guessing. You know, I feel like so many people are like, oh, my vitamin D is good because I take vitamin D or 
you know, my vitamin mineral balance is good because I, I take these supplements, but in reality, you know, I think it's really important to not guess. And most places now have access to get blood work done, um, get your vitamin D checked, especially if you live in the Northern hemisphere, like, do those things and be diligent um, and empower yourself. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that people struggle with. It's like, well, where do I start? Where do I go? How do I make this happen? Um, and taking control of your own destiny with these things, I think is really important. And then utilizing the healthcare system as needed to support you in that process. But most people, you know, won't just be like, Hmm, I wonder what's going on with my body. Let me go get my blood checked. It's like, you think you have to have symptoms or have something going on to approach your health from that perspective, but why not just get it done, you know, or get a blood glucose monitor. I've been thinking about getting one of those, one of the ones that like go back back on here and just rocking that for two weeks and eat kind of like my traditional diet and work my regular work schedule and just kind of try like a two week pattern and see what's, what's going on with my blood sugar. Cause I do think that is definitely tied into brain alts and some of the other things that I have going on. Um, but start objectifying some of these things and see where it'll take you, you know, and it's not like you get your blood work done and nobody, you know, you just get your blood work done and you go home and look at it and like, what's going on with this. Um, usually they have somebody that follows up with you and then, you know, you can create a plan, but I wanted to get my hormones tested because there was a point where I was taking exogenous hormones and, um, you know, all of those things I think are really important, especially for women, you know, that are taking exogenous hormones, whether it's estrogen or things like that, um, your body changes and, you know, your body changes often. And if you're not, you know, regulating some of those things, you can kind of get stuck and feel helpless. So, that's something that I feel like is super powerful that you can kind of get yourself on the right track because it does check electrolyte balance, um, CO2, all of your hormones, thyroid, um, liver function, you know, all of those things can be really, really important to give you some insight. And it's not that it's going to give you the answer, but it'll give you some insight into your um, biology, physiology, and help you understand kind of where you're at. I learned a lot from it of things that I didn't understand. My wife just got hers done and her um, folic acid was low, uh, which really kind of ties into some of the things she was dealing with. Um, and that could be a simple fix. A whole bag of, of folic acid folate is like $5, you know, and that might drastically change your health because it's very targeted and specific, not just like we're taking a daily multivitamin and, you know, not that that's a bad thing, but you at least target some of these things that might reduce some of your symptoms and get you on a better path. We just, um, we just, we just signed up for uh, something up here called Peak Integrative Medicine, and it's actually a cash, a cash-based practice um, with uh, a functional medicine practitioner, Buddy Duchinsky, up here. He's been on the podcast before. I, I think he's a great resource, but. Um, so we had just signed up for that. And part of that is, is the blood panel. So I'm actually, I'm looking forward to, to doing that and kind of uh, getting, getting the ball rolling a little bit on that. Um, but, and then I think when people are ready to start making changes, like I said, about the analysis paralysis of all these things people should be doing, I, I think the, the goal should be one change basically every three weeks, do something for about 21 days, habituate it, and then move on to the next thing. And then that becomes part of your routine. Then you can add something else in. But I think changing things more frequently than that is can be a, a little bit excessive. Yeah. And that's what happens with too much information. <laughs> that's why sometimes I just let it go and I just stop reading. And I've kind of been in that for the last couple of months. It's like I need to take a cognitive break from this and just start implementing, you know, one thing, slow it down, stop reading so much. 
<laughs> you know, just take a step back and just enjoy life and everything will be okay for a little bit and then reset and go back into it. But yeah, I think that is super, super important because if you don't create the habit, then you're just crap shooting all the time and that becomes very challenging for your health. So. Well, Kyle, I think this is a good place for us to stop. We got, um, I only had three questions and, and for obvious, and of course, for no reason, I was worried that three questions wouldn't be enough, but we're already about a half hour <laughs> over what I was hoping to accomplish. So again, this is great. If anyone does have any questions for, uh, again, for me or Kyle, or for the both of us to do on these monthly Q and A's, I don't know if you'll be in future attendance, Kyle, you're always welcome. But um, if anyone has any questions, ruthlessperformance.com slash contact, shoot us a question and, and we'll, uh, we'll try to get it uh, answered in the next, uh, in the next installment. I'll, I'll talk to you soon.